Good morning everyone. Once again we'd like to welcome you to the City Builders online service. Uh, for those that have been joining in with us each week, welcome back. And for those that are here for the first time this morning, you are more than welcome and to our uh, regular members, a very warm welcome also. Uh, this morning I'm going to be talking about the Church of the Living God and I'd like us just to pray before we move on. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for today and we thank you for your word. Uh, we thank you, Lord God, that your word never returns void. And Father, I pray this morning that people would have their eyes opened, Lord God, uh, to everything that you are and to everything that you want to do in their lives and to everything that you want to do in your church. Father, we give you thanks in the name of Jesus. Amen. This morning, the Church of the Living God. I really love talking about this because it is close to my heart. And that is a good thing because as you read through the scriptures, you will see that the church is very much at the heart of what God does in the earth. In fact, wherever you see people gathered together in faith, wherever you see a move of God, wherever you see uh, a revival and you really see people coming to God, right at the heart of it, there is a church. And, uh, you know, God believes in the church, God birthed the church, and God sent Jesus to die for the, the church. So the church of the living God is his unique revelation to this generation. Uh, the scripture actually refers to it as a hidden mystery, and it was a hidden mystery until the day of Pentecost. And the church was made known in the upper room where, when the Holy Spirit was poured out there. There were 120 genuine follow followers of Jesus gathered following his death and his resurrection. And he instructed them to wait in Jerusalem until the promise of the Father was poured out. Uh, they were not 120 ordinary people. When Jesus left this earth, there were tens of thousands, probably hundreds of thousands of believers spread throughout the region. But there were 120 who were different, who were gathered in the upper room. And the upper room was a geographical place uh, in Jerusalem. But I also want you to know that it is a figurative place, uh, you know, that we talk about from time to time. Because if we want to see the full potential of the church, then the church, figuratively speaking, must regularly return to the upper room. Because the upper room is connected to the throne room. And the throne room this morning is the place where God dwells eternally in the heavens and, uh, and looks over the nations. And he has left here on this earth the church, which is the body of Jesus Christ, which is here to complete the work that Jesus commenced 2,000 years ago. Today the church is still a hidden mystery to many, and it takes a bit of figuring out. Individual believers can do well and achieve a lot, but there is a collective power when we have a revelation of the church and what the church really is. Breakthroughs can be multiplied incredibly. On your own, you can do well, but when we come together, there is a collective power, there is a synergy that can literally move heaven in an environment. The church can rise to be the birthing place of new moves of God. 
And I really believe that is the call that is on City Builders Church and everyone connected with us, that we are not called just to be people who go to church, but this morning God calls us called out ones and he calls us the ecclesia. In, in uh, Matthew chapter 16, he says, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. This is what the word says. So God has got very special plans for his church. So the church can rise to be the birthplace of new moves of God. In other words, when we figuratively come back to the upper room and there is that connection that I talked about last week, there is that connection with heaven, then something can become ignited in our spirit, something can come alive on the inside and there can be a, a move of God. And it's like the church can become the base in the region where there is, it's like an epicenter and things go out from there. Cities and regions can be impacted as we return to the upper room. And who knows, even the nation can be changed. I believe that if someone, you know, somebody and, and a people really begin to touch the heart of God, then everything can begin to turn around in the nation. So the church is referred to in the book of Ephesians as a hidden mystery. I believe the Lord this morning wants to give us a little bit of a clearer understanding. Uh, as you know, this morning you might say, what is church? Or why is church important? In its simplest form, the church is, number one, the body of Christ on earth. And in this season, we are seeing a reset. We are seeing a realignment and a recalibration of the church. And it is like the church has gone in into um, uh, this shutdown and we are, you know, uh, physically shut down. But I want you to know this this morning, that the church of the living God never shuts down. While there are people believing God together, meeting together on Zoom, while there are people praying together, figuratively coming to the upper room, there is a connection with heaven that is being made. And I tell you what, this is very important because... When God called Abram in Genesis chapter 12, he said, Abram, leave your country, go right away from your family and come to a place that I'm going to show you because I am going to bless you. And through you, all the families of the earth are going to be blessed. And I want you to know this morning that the call on the church is to walk under the blessing of God. God wants to bless us just the way he did Abraham. And he, not only that, he wants us to become a blessing so that through us, through the City Builders Church and through every other community of faith that genuinely worships the Lord Jesus Christ, those churches are to walk under the blessing of God so that they would become a blessing in their environment. So I believe the Lord wants to give us a much clearer understanding of who we are, why we exist over these next few weeks. And I really believe after this shutdown that the church is going to be reset. It's like I expect the church for it to go from level to level to level to level. And as the Bible uh, indicates in, uh, in uh, 2 Corinthians 13, from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. In other words, I want you to know this morning that there are levels that we can come to in God. You know, when we receive the Lord into our life, that is our base level. 
But God wants us to go from glory to glory and to be transformed into His image as we encounter God every day of our life as we pray. I wanted to say this morning that the hope of the nations is the church in every place. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 20 talks about the church and it says, Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we could ask or think according to the working of his power. To him be glory in the church, the word says, forever and ever. Amen. This is really good. A couple of things about this verse. It is like the, uh, the Apostle Paul is writing this letter uh, to the church in Ephesus. This is after Jesus has been crucified and has, has been raised into the heavens. This is after the initial outpouring in the upper room. But Paul was a persecutor of the church. And in Acts chapter 9, he was on the road to Damascus, but he had his own encounter with God. Do you know this, that every one of us needs our own encounter with God? You can come to church, you know, we can uh, call ourselves the church, but until we have an encounter with God, something like Paul, which is a ex personal experience where the Christ that went to the cross and is raised into the heavens actually comes into our own lives, then you will not know what I'm talking about. But our hearts is made to be his home. And here, the scripture talks about how the apostle Paul was the, uh, the persecutor of the church and he used to authorize and, and witness persecution and martyring of Christians. But God singled this man out on the road to Damascus and he had a powerful encounter with God that turned his life around. So this has all happened in the upper room and Jesus is uh, he's in the heavens and the Holy Spirit has been poured out. Now, sometime later, Paul has this encounter and he writes this in the letter to the church in Ephesus. Because see, as the Holy Spirit came down, people went out and churches were planted. Churches like this church here in Sale, Gippsland. Churches all over the region. And the Apostle Paul writes to the church as a father. And he says this, Now to him, that is Jesus who is in heaven, who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all we can ask or think. Now I want you to know this morning that God has not changed. You know, we are in the year 2020, but God has not changed. Jesus is in the heavens and he is still pouring out his Holy Spirit on believers as he did in the upper room. So whenever we go back to the upper room and we position ourselves before God and we pray, God will literally pour his spirit into our own hearts. This is a very real experience and you can have your own encounter with God. And throughout our congregation, many, many people have experienced God in such a very real way like this. So now to him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly above all we can ask or think, according to the working of his power. That's the second part of this verse. It says, according to the working of his power. You know, the, the way that God answers our prayer is his spirit is working on the inside of us. 
Every day as we learn to follow him, every day as we charge after him, every day as we obey him, his exceeding, the, the exceeding greatness of his power is working on the inside. This morning, if you have received the Holy Spirit into your life, you have something very special. <clears throat> then in the next part of that verse, it says to him, be glory in the church. You know, all over the world this morning, there are churches gathering. And, uh, you know, it is amazing because the same Holy Spirit is there. It's available. And to him be glory in the church. His glory is going to be released into the nations in this hour through the church. And that is what I'm looking forward to. As we move on in these months, you know, I'm a bit amazed here in Victoria that we've been... Um, shut down again but do you know what to me there, there is the COVID side of it but also there is the God side of it and I believe that God is still at work in his church and God wants us to come back to him this morning there is a shaking going on in the earth and why is that because God wants his church back God wants men and women everywhere to come back to him and to repent and to turn their hearts to him. God wants his church to come back to him. God wants us to reprioritize our life. Because sometimes, do you know what we've done? We've put our work and we've put our sport and we've put our investments and we've put, you know, other personal interests above God. But this is what the scripture says. If we seek first the kingdom of God, then he'll add everything else to us. So, you know, God wants his church back. He wants us to make him and his church and the mission that he wants us to do number one in our lives. This is what God wants. So last week we touched this. I read in, Jack, in uh, Genesis chapter 28, verse 1, one of the first prophetic pictures of the church where Jacob came out on the road to Haran and he came to a certain place. And it was just a, there was nothing there. But something began to happen at night as Jacob slept. He had an encounter with the living God. And there it is again. I told you about Paul in the, in the New Testament and the 120 in the upper room. These men and women had definite, very real encounters with God. And here Jacob is way out in the middle of nowhere. And he has an encounter with God in his dream at night. And, uh, you know, he, he refers to that place. He says, how awesome is this place? You know, in his dream, God came in and began to reveal heaven and began to reveal the future and began to reaffirm the covenant that he had made with his father, uh, his father's Abraham and Isaac. Something opened up there. And this is a picture of what the church is meant to be in the last days, in the days that we're living in. We are not just to be a church where people come and go to sleep as they hear the message. We are, the church is God's called out ones. It's like we are called out to be not only the body of Christ, but we are called to be an army of believers. Do you know this is how God sees us? God wants to bring you into his family. He wants to uh, make your spirit alive on the inside of you again when you were born again. 
but you are not to stay there. God wants to raise you up to be everything that God has called you to be. And that is what God is doing with churches like this. I want to say this to whoever is listening this morning. It is not church as unusual when the doors open again. Something is going to happen in the nation. This is time for the church to rise in communities, as the scripture says, to arise, shine, because the light has come. As the world becomes darker, and it may, then the church must become brighter and brighter and brighter. I believe in the dark, the, the, the light that is on the church will shine like the noonday sun. I do want you to know this morning, you have a future, we have a future. We are called forward, we're called upward, and God is doing something amazing. So when Jacob awakens from this dream, it's like the atmosphere around him is supernaturally charged. And he says, wow, surely the Lord is in this place. This is awesome. This is none other than the house of God. That is an amazing couple of sentences right there from Genesis chapter 28. Listen, how we have reduced the church in our own thinking to be a gathering place, to being a counselling centre, to being a centre for social work and that sort of thing. And I believe we are always called to do that. But God says in his word to him who is able to do far more abundantly than we can ever ask or think according to the power that is at work with him, to him be glory in the church. In other words, God wants to do more in the church. God wants to do more with the church. God wants to do more through the church. In fact, if this nation is to change, there is only one way it will happen, and that is by the rising of the true church, the emerging church, the church of the last days, the church of the living God. That is who we are. Amen? Do you like that? So that was a really good opener last week and I do want to reaffirm that this, that the hope of the nations will not come through the political. We are in a political mess in this nation and we're not far behind America which is, it just seems to be coming apart at the seams with self-interest groups. And you know, the church is not to be a self-interest group. We are called to be a counterculture. We are according to be connected into the culture of heaven. And when we bring that, that thinking to earth, things can begin to change. It is like Moses, you know, when he was out there in the wilderness, Moses led the Israelites out into the wilderness and then he went up to Mount Sinai to meet with the Lord. But when he left, something went dreadfully wrong on the earth and it was Aaron, who is, is two I see, that he collected all the gold of the people and they made a god that was some other god. And it was like a, it was like a calf or like a cow. And it was, it, was, it was such a strange thing because Abraham had gone, gone up. But when he came back, there was a clash of cultures because we have what's coming up from the earth, which is Aaron's leadership, and we have coming down from the mountain, which is Moses' leadership, and there is like a clash. And that is what's going to happen on the earth. Do you, do you know what? Aaron's leadership is finished. Leadership that comes out of the people does not work because there's so much self-interest. 
but there is a leadership that is coming down from God and, and it's going to change the heart of men and it's going to change the culture on the earth. You know, this is what God's called us to be. We are called to be the church of the living God. We are not called to be the church of anything else. We are not called to be a self-interest group. You know, we are called to be the church, you know, connected to the Lord in heaven. Because as I said, this, the church in the simplest terms is the body of Christ on earth and the body must be connected to the head which is in heaven and that is the Lord Jesus Christ himself. So we can't be doing our own thing on the earth. We have got a job to do. This is the church of the living God. So, so I hope you're not discouraged by what, what I said, but if your hopes are in the political or if your hopes are under any other philosophy, it just is not work because all political systems, all empires, all kingdoms have a use-by date. They go in their cycles. They reach their high point and then they come down and eventually they pass away. But the kingdoms of this world will never pass away. In fact, in the scripture, in the, in the book of Revelation, it talks about when the seventh angel sounded his trumpet and there was a voice that said, the kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and his Christ. I tell you what, we are going to see nations turn, we're going to see cities turn, we're going to see families turn, we're going to see hopeless cases find what God can do in their life and turn around. And God knows there's already a few in our own church, but this is what God wants to do right across the nations. So the church of the living God is the church that is going to usher in this change. The move of God. The hope of the nation will come through churches just like this. Not any ordinary church. We are not called to be an ordinary church. Ordinary is average. Ordinary is status quo. Ordinary is boring. Ordinary is nothing happening. Ordinary is nothing changing. But we are called to be the church of the living God. This is the church unusual. This is where... You know, surely the Lord is in this place. This is none other than the house of God. God is here this morning. Even as you are listening, you can pick up what I'm hearing and what I'm feeling on the inside. And this is the church of the future. I tell you what, this is a church that can move mountains and can see things changed. Amen? So this morning I want to give you some thoughts about this about this church of the living God and we will come in and out of this subject over the next few weeks until there is a complete opening up of the church in the nation. I tell you I can't wait for the doors to be opened here and like most pastors across the nation uh, that's what we want to see because the nation is going to come to see what the fuss is all about. Number one, the church of the living God there is a revelation that is the foundation stone of the church of the living God. Now, just so I haven't confused you and I don't move too quickly ahead, when I say the church of the living God, I'm not talking about any denomination. You know, I'm not talking about city builders. I'm not talking about Kingsway. I'm not talking about the Anglican church or the Eternity church or the Enjoy church or any other church. But in every denomination, there are believers 
that genuinely love the Lord and are living, like I said, in the upper room, these, this is the remnant church that God is going to gather together and we're going to see a mighty move like a river in the last days. This is the church of the living God. Amen? So let's go through these points this morning. I'm very wired up. I'm very intense about this and struggling to get to my points. Point number one this morning. There is a revelation that is the foundation stone of the church of the living God. And this is in a very famous uh, piece of scripture that I could read every week in this church because something comes alive on me you know, when I read this. And it's in Matthew chapter 16, verse 13. When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked the disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? So they said, Some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And he said to them, But who do you say that I am? Now I want to say this to you this morning. Everybody has got an opinion of who Jesus is. Some people say, oh, it's your fictionary, imaginary friend. Well, not mine. I can feel him. I can sense him. I've met with him. I've heard his voice. He is real to me. And that is what the church is. And it is very important that every individual during their life is able to answer this question accurately. Who do you say that Jesus is? He asked the disciples and he said to Peter, Who do men say that I am? And Peter sort of shoved the question off a bit and said, Oh, well, you know, Corey says this and Mark says that and Cherie says that. And, and it's an answer like that. But he zero, zeroes right in and he said, But who do you say that I am? And for that reason, I want to say to you this morning, it's very important. It's very important that as soon as possible, you begin to seek this out and you begin to find out who this man really is. So uh, there is a revelation that the church of the living God is built on. And here, Simon Peter answered the question. And he said, you are the Christ. You are the Son of the living God. And it's a remarkable answer to a question and it cuts right to the quick. Because in the beginning, I did not know who Jesus was. I thought maybe he's a great philosopher. Maybe he's a great leader, a charismatic leader. And I thought along those lines. I thought maybe this man really believed that he is God. But there came a day in my life where I had to answer the question. And, and, it, and it came so clearly when it eventually did. Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I say to you that I will build my church. Sorry, I will say to you, Peter, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I think this is a most extraordinary verse in the Bible. And you know, if you were a genuine seeker, then what you should do is get this verse and read it and read it and read it until you can decode it and until you know exactly what it means. 
it is not fair on yourself or your family or your friends or those people that you are have influence over to give your opinion if you have not done a proper investigation into this verse. Because everybody's got a different opinion of who Jesus is. And Peter here got the answer right. He said, you are the Christ. You are the Son. You are the living God. Isn't that amazing? Right here at Caesarea Philippi, the Apostle Peter, he was the follower, Peter at this stage, the follower Simon actually, became Peter, the future Apostle, built on this revelation of who Christ is. I want to say to you this morning, we have a revelation that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. You know, it is like the foundation stone on which this church is built. There is no other foundation that man can build on. You know, you can't build it on the pastor. You can't build it on the pastor's vision. You can't build it on the pastor's charisma or discipleship skills. The true church, the church of the living God, is built on none other than Jesus, the Christ, the Son of the living God. And this is the revelation that you need. And this is the revelation that literally turned my head around so that when I got it, I got it. And my life, my marriage, my family, my future, my relationships are built on none other than this revelation. This is the revelation that draws us together and causes us to stand together in a way that sometimes people just don't get. Because if you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, and if you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, the Spirit of God brings us together like two bricks in a wall. The Scripture actually calls them living stones, and we are joined together as one. This is the beginning of the church of the living God. What a powerful revelation, you know, and that is the revelation that we can build our future hopes on. Because Jesus said, flesh and blood didn't reveal this to you. It is not just a good idea, it comes down from heaven. It's God's idea. The church is God's idea. You know, Jesus is God's son. And the body of Christ, the church is his body. So we're in this together. And it's an amazing thing. It's unstoppable. The foundation is strong. You know, uh, sometimes you see in the city those, those skyscrapers just go right up and, and it's amazing. But the, the thing is, the higher they go, the foundation goes deeper and deeper. And this is what the foundation that we have built our life on, it is stronger than any foundation that you would know. I'll tell you what, if your marriage is built on this revelation, then your marriage will become unshakable, unbreakable. Your family will flourish. Your future will be secured. Your hope will be met. Amen. So the first thing about the church of the living God is there is a revelation that is a foundation stone and you find that from Matthew chapter 16, 13 down to 16, 19. Number two, there is always a people. There is a people. The, per the church, I've said this before, I'm amazed that God gave us this building. And that we own this building and that, uh, you know, we're, we're, uh, we're here in the middle of the city. Uh, it's a wonderful thing. You know, God gives us buildings. 
And God gives us homes. And, and he gives us nice things so that we can do what we need to do. But I want you to know this morning that the church is not the building. The church is the people. So, you know, we've made a reasonable investment in this building, but the greater investment needs to go into the people. Because God has invested everything, everything he has into my life. You know, everything that God has is now mine according to the Scriptures. It really is. You know, that the Scripture says in, in the book of Ephesians that, that there is an inheritance in all the saints. You know, God's put something of himself on the inside of us. And this is a treasure. This is the Holy Spirit himself that lives on the inside of us. But the point is, there is a people. You know, there's no church unless there's people. The scripture says, where two or more are gathered, there am I in your midst. This is the Gospels. And that is church. You know, this morning we are not able to gather in the stables, but we're gathering in homes. We are no less the church. In China, you know, you read of the great persecution of the church in China. Hey, listen, if communism is so good, why is it that every person that can is running to the church because they see no hope in communism? This is a warning to Australia. Do not choose the way of communism. Choose the way of God and we may avert a greater evil than, than uh, what we have now. Amen? I tell you, the people in China are running to the house of God. But, but their meetings are being shut down. The church is in under persecution. But whether they gather on Zoom or some other medium, the Holy Spirit is still there. They are still very much the church of the living God. And the, uh, the Communist Party of China are very worried because if the revival continues in China, the way that it is, by the year 2030, China will be the most Christian nation on the face of the earth. I want to say it again this morning, where there are a people that are gathered together and are building their lives on the Lord Jesus Christ, they are unstoppable. I want you to know that the church in Gippsland is unstoppable. You know, it can't be stopped. When, uh, when they forbade the original um, disciples to share the gospel after the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, one of the wise leaders, his name was Gamaliel, and he gathered the leaders and he said, just leave them. If it, is, if it is God, it can't be stopped. If it's man's idea, it'll just shut itself down. But do you know what? The church has flourished in the nations, in the islands. Man, if you want to see genuine, authentic faith, go to the islands and see the passion. You know, but it's the same God there as here. It's God on the inside. So, you know, when God determines I'm going to build my church in a particular city, he begins to, firstly, he brings the leadership and then he begins to bring the people. And the people begin to partner together because there is a job to do. So the, 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 uh, the church is all about the people. The scripture says in the Gospel of John that many are chosen, many are called, but few are chosen. In other words, this morning, do you know what God's calling the whole city? He's calling the whole city to come and find Jesus. He's 
calling the whole region. The Scripture says that God is not willing that any should perish, but that all would come to him, all would turn to him. And that is what this shake in the nations is all about. Do you know what I think? Things just at the moment are sort of not okay, but they're okay. But in the days ahead, there is going to be a rush to the house of God. Amen. That is what I'm seeing in the future. I'm seeing Gippsland turning around. I'm seeing the churches being full. I'm seeing people begin to question, you know, what is this all about? What is this I'm hearing? What is this dream I've had? You know, even God speaking to people in the dreams. Because the scripture says in Psalm 126, when the Lord turns again the captivity of Zion, we were like them that dreamed. You know, God's stirring something on the inside of his people. So number two, there is a people. Number three this morning, with regards to the church of the living God, there is a revealed purpose. In, the, in 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 28, young David was going out to serve his brothers who were on the front lines facing up to, to the giant Goliath. And David, a 17-year-old boy, he utters some powerful words. He's wondering why this, as he said, uncircumcised Philistine is standing there and we haven't taken his head off yet. And something rises up on the heart, on the inside of the young man David, 17 years old. And he says, is there not a cause? I want to say to the church in the nation this morning, is there not a cause? I want to say it again, is there not a cause? You know, this church and other churches like it, like young David, and there is a Goliath of cultural insanity in the nation. But God is picking out his David. He's, he's uh, marked his Davids throughout the land. And he's saying, rise up, take the stones from the stream and take that cultural giant out. I tell you what, it is not all over for Australia. Here's a couple of things that our politicians have said in the last couple of weeks that are very concerning. Our own Prime Minister, Scott Morrison, who I thank God for, has said, in the future... The nation is going to be much poorer. The region is going to be much more dangerous. And he said that the regional order is breaking down in a way very similar to what, how the global order broke down in the 1930s when Hitler was rising. That, my friends, is a warning to the nation. That, my friends, is a warning to the lukewarm. That is a warning to the millennials who don't seem to know what's happening. This is a warning to the old folks, the senior folk who fail to pass on the baton of faith to the next generation. This is a warning to us all. Also, I would like to uh, mention something that uh, uh, Christian MP George Christensen said that he believed that it was too late for the Western culture to be saved. I want to say it to you this morning, we have a Goliath in front of us, but you are called to be David, and this church is called to be David, and you have the same spirit that D David had, because you see, Samuel came and anointed David to rise up and to become the king in the nation, and it was an anointing that came on him, 
And that anointing, the same Spirit, is on you. But this is a, the new covenant. It's a better covenant. And, and, you know, let that anointing stir you. Let the Holy Spirit stir you. And you begin to say to your family, to your children, to your friends, isn't there a cause? Let's begin to say to other pastors and other Christians, come on, let's come on out of the church and begin to go to the front line and begin to take this cultural giant down. We are not anybody. We are the church of the living God who's on the same team as me. I know this is a radical message this morning. You know, someone said, what sort of Christian are you? Are you a conservative Christian or are you a liberal Christian? I'm neither. I'm a radical Christian. I am full of the Holy Ghost and that is how we are meant to be. Church, is there not a cause? Is there not an adventure to be lived? Is there not a challenge to be met? Are there not mountains to be climbed and conquered? Then this is what God wants us to do. There is a revealed purpose. And this is how it works. You know, when I started out, I was looking for my purpose. But as I walk with God, it's like, you know, it's like my um, vision has become very focused. And I believe now that God has positioned the church in this region to really rise into a domain it's never been before. Something is going to happen. You know, I believe what it's like is people haven't been able to hear because there are so many voices. But God is tuning during this time. He's tuning the church in the region and in the cities and across the nation to the voice of the Lord. And as we begin to speak, there's going to be a rallying of the troops. God is going to bring people together. You know, David began to embolden the whole of the Israeli army because they were frightened, they were intimidated. But all it took is one man, one, one boy, one shepherd boy with a sling and some stones to take that giant out. That is all it will take. Somebody who believes God, someone who has the voice of the Lord, someone who has a radical faith and this nation can turn around. It is never too late. This nation is the great Southland of the Holy Spirit. Amen. And we need to claim it in our hearts this morning and spread the good news as far as we can. There is a revealed purpose. Number four, there is, a, a, there is an assignment. And as I said, you know, it's revealed. It, it unfolds. It becomes clearer. But we really need to know that we have an assignment. It goes very much back to a couple of scriptures that I've been reading over the last months. One of them is 1 John chapter 3, verse 8. And it said, For this purpose was the Son of God made manifest that he would destroy all the work of the evil one. Do you know what your job is this morning? To destroy the work of the evil one. To take the anointing. It's the same spirit that was placed on Jesus. The same anointing and begin to heal people. For the Spirit of the Lord is upon me and he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind and to set at liberty those who are oppressed. I tell you what, miracles will come out of this house. Even this morning, I believe that there would be some who are struggling with aches and pains down their back and in the back of their neck. 
and someone has a pain right here that you've had for a long, long time, you get a headache there. I believe this morning the anointing is going to touch you and set you free from that. I believe backs are going to be healed. I declare and decree that the same anointing that is on Jesus is coming at you now to heal you and set you free. There is an anointing. The second verse I want to talk about is Matthew chapter 28, verse 26. Very specifically talks about our mandate because before Jesus went to the cross, he gave a mandate. He said, go into all the world and, and preach the gospel and disciple the nations, teaching them to observe, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've told you. This is the general assignment for the church. But as we begin to walk with God, as we begin to understand God, we have a very unique assignment and exciting dimensions to that. It can be very individual, yet corporate. In other words, everyone in this house has an individual job, an individual part, a part to play. City Builders is not a church of observers. We are a church of participants. Amen. We are all in this together. And that is the way that the church, the, the church of the living God functions. You know, the worldly church, the church that is passing away, is people just listening, observing, thinking, but never ever doing. You know, I don't know whether you saw the memorial of the great Hawthorne football coach, John Kennedy who used to say just simple things to his team at the right time, like, just do it. It seems simple, but I believe the Holy Spirit in us is saying, just do it. David's brothers were all there, all big boys. But, you know, in his little heart, little brother, David, in his heart, there's a voice that says, just do it. Who is going to take out this ungodly bit of work? And that is the church of the living God. Amen. There's an assignment. Number five this morning. Before, actually, before I go on to number five, this is very important. Because there is an assignment, and it is every city. Every city. God wants his church to have dominion in every city, in every domain, in every nation. In every generation, we need to pick up the assignment. You've got a mountain to take. You've got a business to build. You know, you've got a school to lead. You've got a business, uh, you know, a, a, a business that belongs to Jesus. You've, you've got a, uh, something to offer, you know. You've got a Taekwondo uh, leadership school. You've got things that God has put in your hand and God put them there. And that's your assignment. That's the individual assignment. But when you put your assignment together with your assignment, with my assignment, the church becomes like a corporate army and we can see a city change. Hey, we're just starting. We're just starting. I'm just getting the hang of this. After pastoring now for about 27 years, it's like it's clicking on the inside of me. I want to say this is our day. This is our time. This is your future. And this is incredible. There is an empowerment. And the empowerment, of course, happened in the upper room. In Acts chapter 2. In Acts chapter 2. 
when the day of Pentecost had come, had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there was a sound from heaven as of a mushing, a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire and sat one each upon each of them. And they were all filled, say that after me, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. This was where the church was born. What an amazing day that was when the day of Pentecost has fully come. And this Pentecost we celebrated just a little while ago, uh, back in May, the day of Pentecost and the season of Pentecost. God is doing something fresh in the church, in the nations. And you know, a lot of people think, oh, this is something that happened back there. That was just way back there. That was the early church. But I've always said this, as my pastor friend, Pastor Shea says, God started the church the way he wanted it. Now he wants it back the way that he started it. The church that began so powerfully until it was taken over by uh, the Roman Empire and denominationalism was full of the Holy Ghost and spread like wildfire. And that is the way the church is going to finish. God is going to raise up a generation that will be able to impact every city every domain, every generation. Amen? That is our job. But he hasn't just given us a job with no power. You know, Jesus gave the disciples a mandate. Go into all the world, preach the gospel. Baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to obey all the things I've told you. Do you know how hard that is? It's impossible. Just to get one person to buy into that is an extraordinary miracle. But here is what happened. God poured out his Holy Spirit 2,000 years ago. Well, that didn't do me much good in one sense because I wasn't there. But in Bendigo one night, over, just over 40 years ago, a group of young people prayed for me and the Holy Spirit filled me. And I had my Pentecost experience. It was like we were gathered in the upper room. God was so tangible in that place. And for the very, very first time in my life, God became so real to me. And he has not left you as orphans. He has not left you. Jesus said, I need to go and I'm going to leave you the spirit of truth. And he's going to lead you. And you're not going to be left orphans. Man, we're just starting. There is an empowerment that comes on high. And this morning, I just want you to begin to pray for it. Begin to receive it. You know, you may have already had that experience. But you can have that again. You can have a refill, a refreshing. And this is such an important thing. You know, Christianity will be dull lifeless and listless unless you have an encounter with the living God. Unless his spirit comes onto the inside of you the way that I spoke about. Number five, 
there, are, there is an empowerment. Number six this morning, there are possibilities of faith. There are possibilities of faith. I just want to go to Luke if I can. The most impossible thing was happening. And this is the incarnation where the angel came to Mary and said, Mary, you are going to conceive and you are going to bring forth a son and he shall be called Jesus. Mary's response is very understandable. And she said, how can this be since I have not known a man? And the angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also that Holy One who is born of God will be called the Son of God. And the angel said to her, for with God nothing is impossible. With God nothing is impossible. I want to say to you this morning, don't ever think what you are asking for is impossible. You know, God sent me into this city and he said, I want you to build my church. Of course, he's building it. I'm his co-laborer. But, you know, at the time I thought, do you know how hard that is, how impossible is? But it's when we really connect with God and partner with him in this same way that Mary did, with God, nothing will be impossible. It is possible that our nation can turn around. It is possible that churches like this can be built all over the nation. It is possible that the church of the living God can be rebirthed in the nation and find its cause again. It is possible that instead of having ordinary believers, we have believers that become disciples and disciples that become true, mature sons and daughters of the living God. This is the trick to turning the nation around. Because in Romans chapter 8, it says all this stuff that's happening now is just the groanings. It's just the birth pangs. The whole of the earth is waiting for the revealing of this generation of sons and daughters who are believing the way that I'm talking about. These are the possibilities of faith. In Mark chapter 9 verse 23, Jesus said to his disciples... All things are possible to him who believes. All things are possible. Marriages can be restored. God can bring to you what you do not have and what you need. There can be supernatural provision. People can find Christ in such a powerful way when we thought it was impossible. You know, we might think, how can my son turn around? How can my daughter turn around? Well, the Apostle Paul was on his horse on the way to Damascus. And there he had a powerful encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ. And I really believe that it is time in these days ahead that many, many people are going to have supernatural encounters like that. It is possible that God could call you out of the rank and file of where you are living and say, come follow me because I'm going to make you fishers of men. You know, in these days ahead, don't think that anything is impossible because with God all things become possible it is possible for people to be healed even as they're hearing this message I want to come back to that person with the back pain and neck pain and the headache I just want to pray again Father I pray Lord God just for a supernatural release of your healing anointing Lord God into every lounge room Father I pray this morning that bodies would be healed 
Lord God, I speak and, and I declare arthritis will leave in the name of Jesus. I see joints beginning to loosen up. Why am I seeing this? I just see it in my mind and in my spirit and I believe that's what God wants to do. And, and I'm praying right now that the anointing of the Holy Spirit would be released to heal in the name of Jesus. Bodies be healed. Eyes be healed. Amen. Chronic arthritis be healed. The Lord also just showing me that there is someone with a, 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 a severe pain in the joint on the left, left side. It's back around behind the hip area. I just want to pray for you. Father, I pray for a real healing anointing, a supernatural touch of God to come on that person. You might think, is he speaking to me? I declare to you today, I am speaking to you in the name of the Lord Jesus. Father, I thank you. The church of the living God will see people healed. So, number seven this morning, there is a God that we serve and his name is Jesus. He's none other than Jesus. And you know, he is here today. I, I believe right now and throughout this message at different times you would have just so sensed his presence. And I believe that God wants to really come into your heart in a very special way this morning. This is the God that we serve. Father, I just give you thanks. I give you thanks for what you've done and what you're doing. Oh, Lord, we just praise you right now. We thank you that you are the God who heals and you are the God who saves. Do you want to just pray after me this morning? If you would like to open your life to the Lord Jesus Christ and become part of him and what he's doing in the nations, do you just pray this after me. Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you in prayer asking for the forgiveness of my sins. I confess with my mouth and believe with my heart that Jesus is your son and that he died on the cross at Calvary that I might be forgiven and have eternal life in the kingdom of heaven. Father, I believe that Jesus rose from the dead and I ask you right now to come into my life and be my Lord and Saviour. I repent of my sins and will follow you all the days of my life because your word is truth. I confess with my mouth that I am born again and cleansed by the blood of Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Once again, it's just been a real privilege to have you with us. And uh, our church is uh, definitely not for the select few, but this church is for the city and it's for the region and even the nation. And if you've heard this message this morning and been encouraged and want to find out more, or if you sincerely prayed that prayer just as we prayed, or if you need prayer from any other thing, then please get in contact uh, with us through the website We'd love to meet with you and talk with you. If you're not from this part of the world, we would love to help you find a church just like this in your neighbourhood. God bless you. Have a wonderful day and look forward to the reset of the church that is coming in the months ahead. God bless you.